Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I am your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today we're going to take a look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and I will be reading from the NIV version. So let's take a look at this one because it is one of my favorite verses. And what's interesting is that I hadn't read it for a while, but when I read it, I was reminded why it is one of my favorites. And I love it because it speaks of the goodness of God. The entire Bible speaks of God's goodness, but there are things that are in the Old Testament that speak to I don't know how to describe it, but it speaks to the human heart, meaning the the natural side of us, where God is the supernatural side of us, right? So when Jesus comes to live and dwell in our heart, that's the supernatural side of God. It's still just as important as the natural side of us because God made us in his image. Even though we were kicked out of the garden of Eden, God still loves us and his book, his holy word is his promises to us. So let's take a look at this one. It says, "Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful." You know, the book of Joshua is one of my favorites as well as the book of Deuteronomy. And the reason why is that we we see the Israelites they have been released from Pharaoh's grip from Egypt and now they are having to go on a journey that they thought would never come but they also did not really know what to expect and they also did not know what to do. This verse is letting them know this is what you are supposed to do. This is God's promise and this is how he's going to help you. So basically God is giving them a manual, a road map of how to get to the promised land, how to get there quickly. It technically was only supposed to be I think 11 day or 12 day journey, but it took them 40 years because of their disobedience. If they had not been disobedient and extremely disobedient, they could have gotten to the promised land a whole lot quicker. So maybe this is a good example to us of what not to do. You know, don't wait 40 years to, you know, go into your promised land. Go as soon as possible. You'll follow what God says to do and he will get you there almost immediately, right? So it's important that we do what he says. Let's take a look at this verse. It says, "Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth." What people tend to forget is that the entire Bible is God's book of the law. Some of it is pleasant, some of it sounds kind of harsh, but that's what discipline is. Discipline can sound harsh, but it's not actually being harsh. It's actually love. Now, we'll say this, If you are in a bad church that takes that phrase um spare the rod spoil the child and takes it to the extreme and just beats their children which is what which is what happened in the church I grew up in it was horrible you know there's a difference between discipline and abuse God's law never gave anybody ever the the permission or gave them the opportunity to be cruel to another human being because we do not worship a cruel god so it's important that we not take his laws and manipulate them it says do not let this book of the law so the entire the entire bible is his book of the law even though it's talking about the laws at that time now that we we are post old testament and new testament we know that his bible the holy word of god is an entire book of the law It says, "Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth." Meaning, what are we supposed to be speaking? We are supposed to always be speaking God's truth. 
because God's word is holy. God's word is true. If we are speaking anything else outside the goodness of God, we are not doing what we are supposed to be doing. Now again, that doesn't mean that we act like crazy Bible thumpers, lock ourselves in the basement and then then when we do come out of our bunker, we're just hateful to people like that stupid guy like preacher Bob or whatever his name was from one of the universities I went to for a time and just yell and scream at people. No, 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 no. If God needs to yell at somebody, he will do it. We don't need to do that. That's not our responsibility. Not by any means. Because God's law is love. He was saving the Israelites not only from their enemy, which was the Egyptians and anyone else that they came across that would try and hurt them or kill them. He was also trying to save them from themselves because even though they had been slaves for over 400 years, you know, they were enslaved to somebody else for such a long time, but they were also a slave to their misery. And that's very unfortunate because whatever we make whatever we make ourselves a slave to is what we are making we're making it be our master that's why the israelites had such a hard time when they were out in the desert they had lived a life of misery for so long but even in that misery they knew that god loved them and that he would deliver them and then when he did deliver them they didn't really they didn't focus on their fellowship with god and that's why they fell away several times See if they had been practicing the book of the law and not letting it depart from their mouth, they would have only been speaking the goodness of God. Look how great our God is. He whooped up on Pharaoh, defeated him, parted the Red Sea. Let's go, Lord. Let's go to the promised land. That's all they had to do. Just speak the goodness of God and speak what you want. Not what you have, not what you dislike, but what you want and where you want to go. You know, You know, we we worship a god that wants to satisfy and grant the desires of our heart. Did the Israelites want to become pagan temporarily and worship a golden calf? No, that was not a desire. The reason why they did that was because they allowed their frustration and their current circumstance to frustrate them so bad and so intensely that they turned away from God instead of turning towards God. So the more we turn to God, the more we will be speaking the book of the law. That doesn't mean we need to become a Pharisee, a Sadducee, a scribe or a lawyer. God's law is rooted in love. So we're not supposed to be browbeating people. And also we should not be browbeating ourselves. Sometimes we browbeat ourselves thinking that that is being holy. You know, there's this one movie I saw. I can't remember if it was the was it the Da Vinci Code or a different movie. I'm trying to remember, but it was it was claiming to understand the Bible, and of course Hollywood does not understand the Bible at all. Um but anyway, there's this scene where there's this monk and you know he he's blonde hair, blue-eyed, and he's dressed in, you know, a monk's garb, which of course is probably some very coarse material so he can suffer for Christ, that whole lie. you know, wear really scratchy clothing all the time so you can so you can unite your suffering with Christ and it's like the suffering has already been paid for so for you to torture yourself you know you're trying to become the Christ 
you're actually are not becoming Christ-like. You're trying to take his place, which is a form of heresy, which happens all the time in the Catholic Church, which is very unfortunate. But anyway, um, this monk, he was trying to, I guess, draw closer to Christ, or he was blaming himself for a situation that really wasn't his fault. But he thought that God would help out more with the situation if he beat himself. So he stripped his back, and he got this corridor whip and started beating himself brutally. I mean, just ripping the skin off his back. It was grotesque. And I was like, that is not faith. That is not Christ-like. That is pagan. That is heresy. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that we are supposed to degrade our bodies. Because God lifts us up out of the pit. We're not supposed to push ourselves down into the pit. The enemy will do that for us if we fall for his lies. And see, it's a lie to beat yourself up. And to think that that's being holy and true. It's not. See, whenever we beat ourselves up, we are shaming and blaming and condemning ourselves. And, and that's not what God wants. It's what the enemy wants, but it's not what God wants. And technically, when we are shaming and blaming ourselves and, and just living in this condemnation that has no, has no place in our life, we are living outside of God's law. And God's law goes back to the beginning of time. So the love of God is nothing new. The hatred of the enemy is also nothing new. But people tend to think, oh, well, you know, we're post-Old Testament, we're post-New Testament. God's not going to help us anymore. We're just on our own. Really. That, that just doesn't make any sense. And here's why. It's because it's a lie. You know, there's so many people, they think that they're on their own and it's up to them. Well, here's the thing. What I don't understand about that thinking is that people will think they're on their own and that God doesn't care about them, but yet they think or they know that the enemy is coming after them. It's like, well, if you know the enemy is still present, what makes you think your Heavenly Father is not still present? Do you, do you really think he would abandon you or orphan you? No. See, th those hateful thoughts and those horrible lies will, will become our truth if we are not speaking The book of the law, God's holy word from our mouth. It goes on to say, meditate on it day and night. So it should be something that should be relevant to our everyday life. Like, for example, if we read a verse in the morning and read a verse at night, something simple. You don't have to read an entire chapter. If you want to, that's great. If you have the time to read a bunch of God's holy word, that's wonderful. Go for it. But... You know, whenever it says meditate on it day and night, it's not talking about, I just need to get all these verses done. I need to punch a time clock. That's not what it's talking about. Because that's not holy. What's holy is meditating on his holy word, which is technically what we're doing right now. We are meditating on one verse and one verse alone. We're not trying to squeeze in all this information. We're not trying to squeeze in chapter after chapter after chapter and just hope and pray that something sticks to the wall of your life. It, you know, it doesn't work that way. The human soul doesn't work that way. Can you immerse yourself in God's holy word? Yes, you can do that. But there's a difference in the intention. When you meditate on God's word, 
You're trying to understand his word because you're trying to draw close to him. I remember in times past whenever I would just read the Bible just to read it. I wasn't trying to get close to God. I I wasn't asking for wisdom. I wasn't expecting to understand what I was reading because you know in times past I've mentioned this, I was raised in a cult. I was raised that God hated me and was trying to kill me. So it's like, well, I'll read his his book. Like I just thought it was a book. Like I didn't really value it per se. Like I knew that there were things in it that were holy. But because I thought that God was a hateful, horrible, murderous entity, there was no way I was going to meditate on anything he was saying or doing. No way. It's like why would I want to align myself with a murderer? Well, I have been lied to. See, when we believe a lie, we are totally missing out on the truth. Totally. And it is such a horrible crime. really horrible crime to lie to children cuz i know for a fact i was brainwashed brainwashed i mean i knew that there was something wrong but it's like when you're a child and you have you know you know this group of adults teaching you one thing and then you leave church and you you, you meet some normal adults outside of your crazy church it's like okay what am i supposed to believe what am i supposed to do See children don't always know what to do. They know right from wrong because everybody has a conscience, but that needs to be reinforced right and wrong. But here's the thing. If a child is taught wrong repeatedly, year after year after year, day after day, month after month, hour after hour, minute after minute for the first 18 years of their life, they're probably going to be a very screwed up individual, uh, individual, excuse me. and they're probably going to be screwed up and messed up by the time they're 11 or 12 because the formation years are probably like the first 7 to 8 or 9 years of that child's life that's the programming stage of a child next is the learning stage when they are actually in school but it's the programming stage that is super important when someone is programmed incorrectly from the beginning it's almost like a computer Cuz technically the human brain is is the best supercomputer on the planet. So don't ever underestimate your mind and your talent. Don't ever say, "Oh, I'm forgetful. Oh, I'm not good at that." No, you are not forgetful. You you remember things all the time and you're good at everything that you do. You have to believe that. Cuz whatever you believe is what comes to pass. You know, just because you can't remember where you put your keys every once in a while, that doesn't mean that you never that you never remember where they are. Sometimes we tend to think in terms of absolutes. There is only one absolute in this world, and that is God's love for mankind because every single one of us was made in his image. That's why we are supposed to meditate on his law day and night, which is his holy word, because that's where we receive our nourishment. That's where we receive our physical, spiritual, mental medicine. That that's what we need and that's our healing. Goes on to say meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. This is very true especially because as I've said times past in this podcast, anything outside the holy word of God or anything outside the goodness of God is not from God. I love that says so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. If it's in God's word, you know it's true. And you know that it will protect you and safeguard you. 
and it is the right thing to do. Anything outside of God's holy word is not what we are supposed to be doing. For example, in God's holy word there's marriage between one man, one woman. No homosexuals are supposed to be getting married. Transgenders are not supposed to be getting married. Sex is is supposed to be within the confines of a marriage between one man, one woman. That's God's holy that's God's holy law and that's his holy will for our lives. Now, if you remove sex from the from the holy from the holiness of marriage, that's where it becomes perverted. You have promiscuous sex, you have you have the hookup culture. And the hookup culture is still very prevalent, especially down in Florida right now. I met a girl not too long ago. She's out walking her dog and I was out walking, you know, getting my steps in for the day, and she had moved here from Florida. And she's telling me that the hookup culture is so bad down there. Especially on the coast and the beaches. It is so horrible. She said it's so horrible to date down there. It's she says it's disgusting. And I was shocked. Like I didn't think the hookup culture was still a problem down there. The hookup culture has been a problem since the 80s, if not the 70s. And what people don't know is that the hookup culture down in Florida, especially within the homosexual community, is one reason why HIV/AIDS spread so rapidly in the 80s when they were trying to identify what is this virus and why is it killing homosexual men so quickly, like within less than 2 years. Well, you have the hookup culture. The hookup culture and the homosexual lifestyle and the transgender lifestyle is outside of the holy will of God because God knew what he was doing when he made us in his image whether we are male or female. You know what I always find interesting is whenever a homosexual whether male or female or a transgender will say, "Hey, I'm born this way." And I'm like, "No, you weren't because you're having to change what you were naturally born as." So they're not even acknowledging who they were born naturally. So then they are not being true to themselves. Like they don't even value their God-given humanity, which is very sad. That's why that lifestyle is not appropriate. It's not normal. And now they're trying to push that lifestyle onto children by trying to get children to change their sex. That is stealing someone else's sexuality when parents do that. Forcing their kids to get surgeries that they do not want or they don't know what the surgery is or getting them to take hormone replacement therapy. That is stealing someone else's body. They are stealing their childhood. And they are destroying the temple that God gave that individual as a child whether they are male or female. You know, I hope and pray that the court system stands up to this and outlaws this stuff because, you know, it's one thing when someone is a grown adult. I mean, I don't agree with it anyway, but here's the thing. It's not appropriate to do something to someone's body like that ever. Because it's supposed to be the person's choice. What does that person want for their life? What someone does after the age of 18 is their business. When it comes to things like that, I don't agree with homosexuality. I don't agree with, with transgenderism. None of it. I, it. It's outside the goodness of God. It, it is chaos. What is going on in the United States as well as other countries in terms of human sexuality? 
it's being manipulated and it's being torn apart it's it's really quite graphic and grotesque what they're doing what's sad is that this stuff is happening to little children well is this appropriate no So I pray that judges and prosecutors really go after these parents and these doctors that are performing these procedures and writing these scripts trying to change someone's sex when here's the thing a lot of these kids have not even hit puberty yet. They they aren't even becoming who they were born to be yet. You know they're still a little boy or a little girl. And here's another thing. the i think it's the frontal lobe of the human brain is not even fully developed until age 25 like we know this to be true in modern medicine and in science so if someone's not an adult well, let me put it this way if see girls typically hit puberty when they are in grade school boys typically hit puberty when they are in middle school So if you have females not hitting puberty until they're in grade school, little boys not hitting puberty until middle school or even high school, they're not an adult until they're age 18 and then the frontal lobe of their brain is not fully developed until age 25. Why is anybody trying to change their sex as a child or a teenager? It's their body. The child's body belongs sorry belongs to the child. It does not belong to the adult. These kids are minors and they are not being protected by their parents. They're not being protected by the school system and they are not being protected by the courts and they should be. Forcing a child to change their sex is grotesque. It's child abuse. It's wrong and it's outside of the goodness of God. And it applies directly here when it says do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. So what what are you speaking over your child? Are are you appreciative that you were given a little boy or a little girl or are you trying to change them into something that you want? Well, I got news for you, if you're one of these crazy parents, you are not God and you are not worthy to be God. You're not even worthy to be a parent if you're doing these sick grotesque grotesque things to your children. It's horrible. I feel sorry for those children because they will be permanently screwed up for the rest of their lives. They will never be a normal adult based on what is done to them in their childhood. Goes on to say, "Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. So speak blessing over your children. Be grateful for what God gives you. Meditate on it day and night. Speak kindly to your children in the morning and at night." You know, let's say, you know, you you have a little boy but you want a little girl. Well, adopt a little girl. Don't change the sex of your little boy. And it says so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So, we are supposed to be following God's law. Not our emotions, not our feelings, not political correctness. Not some agenda that's temporary. you know propped up by our society that says oh now we think that now we think this is okay to do when it, when it actually is not see whenever we do what god wants us to do we don't make mistakes like what the world does because it is a mistake to hurt a fellow human being and that includes stealing their identity 
goes on to say, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Here's the, here's, here, here's the cherry on top of this. Then you will be prosperous and successful. God's promises are true. And right here it says, then you will be prosperous and successful. Have you ever noticed how miserable people are that live outside of the goodness of God? But you see, they don't realize that their misery is brought on by their lifestyle, their choices. And also sometimes hardships just happen. Sometimes it is a choice, sometimes it's not. Because it rains on the just and the unjust. Here's the thing though. If we are following God's law, we are protected. We are guarded. You know, the enemy is going to come after you anyway. He might steal your house. He might take your car. He might try and put some disease upon you. But if you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you know that you can easily rebuke that and just still walk by faith, not by sight. But if you are living outside of the holiness of God and you are doing all these other things, then you do not have the strength or the authority to rebuke the attacks of the devil. And it will be very difficult for you to overcome the hardships of this life, even the ones that just fell on your lap, even the ones that are not your fault. And those, those happen to everybody. But what sucks is whenever... Whenever we have been making life choices that are outside the goodness of God so that then when hardships do occur, then we really don't know what to do. And then we really feel punished. See, what the enemy tries to do is he tries to say, hey, live whatever lifestyle you want. God loves you anyway. Or he'll say, live whatever, li- live whatever lifestyle you want because God hates you, so you might as well do what you want. Both of those are a lie. Anything that comes out of the enemy's mouth is a lie. Anything that comes out of the book of uh, God's holy word is truth. God's word will guard and protect us from a whole lot of things. There are some slings and arrows that will still come at us, but it won't be as many. And they won't ding us because we will have our shield of faith up. Just because we have faith and, believe, and we believe in the Holy Word of God, that doesn't mean the enemy is going to throw up his hands and say, Oh, I can't touch them. I, I can't ever do or say anything against God's people. No, he, it's his life choice and his goal to destroy us. But God promises us health, healing, prosperity, and to be successful in everything that we do. And see, here's the lie of our world, especially here in the United States, our, our culture going on right now. It says, do what you want, when you want, however you want, do what you feel, go against the grain, protest against this and that. You know, if more people would read God's word, they would see that they don't need to protest because God, God is fighting for them. Because if God be for you, who dare be against you? You know, like that group Black Lives Matter? Of course Black Lives Matter. But get this, all lives matter. What that group did was made it seem like black lives are more important than everybody else. Well, that's not the love of God. 
Nowhere in the Bible does it say that if you are this color race, you're more important than everybody else. And what really disturbed me with the Black Lives Matter movement and group is first of all, it was corrupt. They got all this money and then they realized, "Hey, it's embezzlement and fraud." No surprise there. But then they also gave themselves permission to hold a protest in a very violent manner. They ruined businesses. They destroyed them. They set them on fire. These places of business that had nothing to do with either Black Lives Matter or they had nothing to do with whoever they were, you know, saying horrible things against. These business owners were just business owners. Some of them were mom and pop shops. And some of them lost everything because of what this group did. See, if the people that started Black Lives Matter and the people that were part of those protests, you know, if they really wanted to do good, they should have gone to God with their request. Because God does not tolerate injustice. He would have heard their prayer. He would have answered their prayers. He would have heard their cries. He would have said, "I see your pain. Let me handle it." But you see, whenever we take on the role of God, and we act like we're above it all and we're going to teach these people a lesson that's where our arrogance and our flaws really come out and it always leads to sin it always leads to destruction like i couldn't wait for the black lives matter movement to stop because it was horrible it even came here to oklahoma i'm like are you kidding me Are you kidding me? We don't have racism like the South had years ago. Like Oklahoma, yes, we've had some racism like way back in the day. It's not currently full swing now. And here's the thing, whenever someone is racist, they are not part of the KKK. That's that individual person's racism. Like we don't have racist groups anymore. Like we we just don't have that. And even back when there were certain segments of the population that were racist, the majority of the population of the United States was not racist. They didn't like what was going on even in the deep south. So for a group like Black Lives Matter to take it upon themselves to teach American society a lesson, guess what? They're breaking the law. already even before they got started they were breaking the law because they were trying to act like the law and they gave themselves permission to break the law they are not above the law they gave themselves permission to steal to loot well guess what thievery is thievery do you really think god is going to bless that no god doesn't give people permission to be hateful god does not give people permission to steal That's why it's so important that we focus on God's holy word and we go to God first. And see, here's the thing. When people don't believe in God, they are replacing God with whatever they are believing in. Whether it's their political agenda, their little hashtag movement, whatever it may be. It may be tyranny, it may be, you know, fascism, socialism, communism. Here's the thing. Whatever you replace God with will never truly satisfy you. That's why these people were so miserable. That's why they were so hateful and that's why they committed so many crimes. 
It's because they did not have Christ in their life. But I guarantee you, some of those people claim to be Christians. And I guarantee you, probably the majority of them were raised in Christian homes, or they probably did go to church as children. I have no doubt of that. Like, you would be surprised how many people that claim to be Christian or were raised Christian or Christ-like do some pretty horrible things. Why? Because they have fallen away from God. Whenever we fall away from God, he cannot bless us. Because God cannot reward evil behavior. He can only punish it. And sometimes the way that God punishes people is he backs off and says, okay, you're on your own. He won't strike you dead with lightning, but he will pull back you know, a good job opportunity because he's not going to reward a thief. He's not going to give a thief a job that pays 500K a year and have access to the books or the finances of a company. God's not going to do that. But if you honor God, if you read his holy word, you meditate on it, and you follow what God says to do, he will prosper you. He will reward the works of your hands. He knows that we labor and toil throughout this life, but it's not supposed to feel like a burden. And we're not supposed to cause upheaval in our societies. We're supposed to be peacemakers. So if you're part of a church, like there's this one church, I can't remember the name of it. It's totally evil. They show up at um at funerals of soldiers that have been killed in in war and they protest against the military at these fallen soldiers funerals that is cruel and sick a church does this i don't know their name and i'm not going to look them up because i'm not going to give them any credit i'm not going to promote them in any way shape or form because that is so evil to do that but you see that is an agenda and they're using God's holy word as their soapbox. Let me tell you something, he is not impressed with those people because what they're doing is wrong. It's not Christ-like. Technically they're heretics. And they're being cruel to other people. They're not even honoring the dead. They're not even giving people a chance to bury their loved ones. They're heckling them. at a cemetery that's harassment it's it's a form of degradation not only of the family but especially of the person that was killed in action serving our country see if that group whoever they are i pray they have a i pray that they have a come to jesus moment and take it seriously but here's the thing if they were actually reading the bible and reading it correctly and believing in the goodness of God and behaving in a Christ-like manner they would never behave like that instead of showing up and heckling people for a fallen soldier that's being buried in a cemetery they would send their condolences to these families they would send them flowers they would ask them hey is there anything we can do for your family we know you've just lost your son your daughter your husband your wife your aunt your uncle whatever the case may be is there anything that we can do for you they don't do that Why because they're not Christ-like. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping their agenda. 
Worshiping an agenda will never get you to heaven. In fact, it destroys your path to heaven. I mean, where someone goes when they die, that's between them and God. We are not responsible for someone else's soul, whether or not they get to heaven or not. I'm just saying that when you do evil acts, like what these people are doing, it makes it very difficult to get to heaven, if impossible. Why throw away your salvation for hatred? It makes no sense to me. But whenever people are distant from God, they give themselves permission to be God. That's that's paganism. We may not think that pagan cultures exist, they do. They still do. They are predominantly tribal at this point in time. They are predominantly in villages and the outskirts of cities and towns. But technically, whatever you are replacing God with, excuse me, whatever you are replacing God with, you are making your god. So technically that is a pagan religion. If you are making science your god, you're practicing a pagan religion. Why? Because you are religiously believing in something. You are religiously believing in something that you think can save you and can help you. And you're not putting God first. See, God gave us science and modern medicine as a gift. But it's not appropriate to raise up the gift that God gives us. and try and dethrone him and his son. It doesn't work that way. Anything outside the goodness of God is not truth. It's not the way we are supposed to be living. Now, how do we have truth? We read God's holy word. Find a Bible translation that you like that you enjoy. Read a couple of them. That's what I do. I love reading these different translations. There are some that I can't stand. <laughs> there are some that I don't like. But here's the thing: if you don't read them, then you're not going to realize, hey, this isn't for me per se. Find a translation that you like. Draw closer to God. Give Him a chance to guide you, to bless you, to prosper you. Give Him a chance to make you successful. Because. We cannot be successful on our own, and there may be some people listening that say, "Hey, you know, I've built my own business. I'm a millionaire. You know, I I live in the best part of town. I live in a mansion. Who are you to say that I can't do it on my own?" God's holy word says that. Maybe you were lucky and fortunate that you you found a way to make the system work for you, but you know, look at it this way: if you actually gave your life to Christ. He would prosper you and bless you even more than you could ever do for yourself. And if you're one of these, you know, very wealthy people, nothing against wealthy people, they're very nice and kind, but if you're one of these snob wealthy people that thinks, "Well, I can do it all on my own. I don't need God to bless me. I have enough money." You have just opened the door to the enemy wiping you out financially and taking everything, stealing everything from you. Because the moment you think you've got it all and you can do it all, that's the moment you have believed a lie, and that's when the enemy goes in for the kill. He'll take everything from you. You'll be like, "Oh, you think you've got it all? Let's see what happens when you don't have anything." 
See, because there's a thing. Whenever we say, oh, I got this, I can do it all on my own, God is a gentleman. He, he backs up and says, okay, you say you got it. I won't help you with it. Good luck. And then let's say you do become very successful and you, know, you haven't been praying or maybe you don't believe in God. Guess what? There will be something in your life that happens that will be out of the blue, will not make sense, will bring you to your knees. And just so you know, that's the enemy breaking your knees. That's the enemy coming after you. Because either A, you don't believe in God, B, you doubted God, or C, you do believe in God, but you think you're better than God. You think you know more than him because you, know, you live in this century You think God is old and stupid. You think that he was only relevant in the Old Testament. That is a very, unfortunately, very foolish way of viewing our Heavenly Father. You know, even if you think you have it all, I got news for you. There's always something missing from our lives. Always. But when you give your life to Christ, he will give you everything. He will satisfy the desires of your heart. Your dreams will come true. Even the, the desires and dreams that maybe you had as a little child, that maybe you have forgotten about. God never forgot those requests. You know, God never forgot those hopes and dreams that you had when you were five years old or six years old. Maybe even, maybe even when you were three years old, you had a thought, hey, I'd really love to do this. See, God remembers everything. He wants to bless you. But if you don't give him a chance to bless you, then you're living outside of his holy will. And more than likely, it's because either A, you don't believe in God, or B, or B, you do believe in him, but you're not giving him a chance to help you. And C, you're not reading his holy word every day, even just a verse or two. And let's close out with reading the next verse in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, I think we're on verse 6. All right, let's see. Verse 6. Okay, this is from Genesis chapter 1, verse 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Sometimes we miss that God actually speaks, because it says, And God said. That's very important. That's why we are supposed to be speaking God's law out of our mouth. And the law, you know, it's not just the Ten Commandments. Those are very important, and those are the foundation of most of the laws on this planet, technically, to have a good functioning society. But we are supposed to be speaking the goodness of God that is all throughout his holy word. Why? Because God speaks. If God speaks, then we are supposed to speak, because we were made in his image. And what's interesting is that whenever God speaks... Stuff gets done. He created the planet. He separated the waters. What's interesting is that he separated the waters here. This is a foreshadow of what he's going to be doing for the Israelites when he parts the Red Sea to save them from the Egyptian army from slaughtering them. So recognize that everything that God does is for a purpose. It's for a reason. And all of us are valuable to him. See, he spoke and created all this stuff for you and for me. It wasn't just as a hobby he did this. He did this out of love. God didn't have to create any of this. He didn't have to, have to create you and me, but he did because he's a loving father. 
And he took his time making this. He thought about everything that we would need. Think about all the natural resources that are here on the face of the earth. God gave us all of those. It's no accident that we have these things. It's no accident that we need them and that we desire them. Like it's no accident that people love to go to the beach. We are naturally drawn to water. Why? Because we need water to live. God knew what we would need and what we would not need. It's still the same today. He knows what we need and what we don't need. So if you don't need a stressful job, God's not going to give you a stressful job. And if you're in a stressful job right now, God has a better job already lined up for you. Just because you haven't seen it come to fruition yet, that doesn't mean it's not going to come to pass. See, because God did not create the animals on the first day. He had to create a foundation for the world. Animals need vegetation, they need water, you know, they need a place to call home as well. So God never puts the cart before the horse. We tend to do that. And we tend to think, well, God's not moving fast enough, I'll help him out. Don't ever do that. We need to stick to God's timing cuz God's timing is perfect and true. We need to be very aware that God's timing is technically holy. If we're doing something outside of God's timing, then we're being impatient. And being impatient is not living in peace and it's not trusting God. See, when we trust God, we have this promise right here it says, "Then you will be prosperous and successful." You know, I'll close with this. It says earlier in the verse, "Meditate on it day and night." When you're meditating, are you in a rush? Are you in a hurry? Are you washing the dog? cooking a casserole, cleaning the fridge, I mean, really. When you're meditating, you're you're in a sense of peace. And you should have a a sense of I'm in a safe place, you know, in my heart and in my soul. There should be a calmness. That calmness that comes from God. It comes it comes from studying his holy word. You know, typically there there are two different types of workers. There's usually the nervous worker that's you know full of anxiety. They they they've got all these tasks littered all over their desk. They they're supposedly a multitasker and people are supposedly impressed with that. I'm not because I never really get anything done, get anything done. And then whatever they do complete, it's not their best work. The other type of employee takes their time, evaluates the project, gets it done quickly and efficiently one project at a time. They do their best. Why? Because they're calm. Nervous, anxiety-driven employees make the worst employees because they're very unpredictable because you don't know what their anxiety is going to convince them to do. I've worked with people like this. It was hell. I hated it. I had to pray for these people. I was like, "Oh, Lord, either 
move them to another continent or promote them or, or, or get me out of here. I can't stand working with people that do this because they interfere with other people's work. And they use the excuse, I'm just trying to help. No, you're not. As far as I'm concerned, these people that are anxious and nervous and they claim to be multitaskers and, you know, they want to help, they want to help. As far as I'm concerned, they're losers. They are destructive losers. They are the worst employees. And that may sound really harsh, but here's the thing. They're not a winner. Think about it. They are interfering with other people's work. They're not even focusing on what they are supposed to be doing. See, that's the lie of multitasking. Right here in God's holy word, he doesn't say, oh, meditate on my word, cook some bread, go fight the enemy all at the same time. God never says any of that. When God gives instruction, it's very intentional. It's for our good and he wants us to be successful. You cannot be successful if you're multitasking like this and being anxiety driven. You know, some of the worst jobs on the planet, especially in the United States, are ones where employers expect you to wear multiple hats, as they say. I've done that. I hated it. And I felt used because I was being used. I was being used for cheap labor. You know, there was one job I had years ago where I was the office, man, office manager, administrative assistant, bookkeeper, payroll administrator, and something else. I was exhausted. Oh, and then they wanted me to do their marketing. I'm like, why don't you hire someone? Well, that's your job. No, it's not. I was like, what's more important to you, running your business or, or being on social media all the time? And the owners didn't like me saying that. It's just like, wow, like, I, I told you I'm not into marketing at this point in my life. Like, I didn't apply to a marketing job. You see, here's the thing. That employer was stealing employee labor because they did not want to pay their employees what they're actually worth for the job that they're actually doing. I was doing the work of like three to five people, so I should have been making well over 150K a year considering all the work I was doing. But I, but I was not making anywhere close to that. And it broke my heart because it's like I'm doing all this work, but I'm not being appreciated. Let me tell you this. God appreciates everything that you do. He loves you. And he is not okay with employers stealing your labor, stealing your paychecks. And that's what it is when they do not pay you for your wages. When they do not pay you for your labor. They are stealing from your check. That's a form of embezzlement and fraud. This is why we have the Department of Labor. That's at a federal level. We also have a state level. Here in Oklahoma, it's called the Oklahoma Employment Security Commission. Report that stuff. I don't care what state you're in. I don't care what country you're in. Report it to your Department of Labor, whatever the case may be, whatever your government entity is and whatever the proper protocol or steps are. Report it. God does not approve of thievery. And you know what I found interesting? The more dedicated I was to my job, the more my employer wanted to dump all the stuff on me. I'm like, no. I was like, the reason why I'm so good at what I do is because I'm very goal-oriented. I'm successful at what I do. Just because I'm good at this task over here doesn't mean I can take on all these other tasks over here, like 12 or 15 of them. 
Like I literally don't have the energy or the brain space to do all that. And this employer, I mean several employers are like this. Many of them are actually unfortunately, especially in um what's it called? The Oklahoma that they basically have a right to fire you. Your your job is basically never never protected. I forget the phrase I should know, but anyway, um at will state. That's what it's called. You can be fired at will. There's so many states that are at will states that they totally steal from their employees and it's because they burden them with all this labor that they should not be doing. See, loading up one employee like they did me with all these other things to do, it would be like you know, a patient is getting a heart transplant, the surgeon, the heart surgeon is there doing the surgery and some moron walks in and says, "Oh, you're doing a heart surgery? Well, can you go ahead and remove their appendix?" Um they've got a hemorrhoid they need removed. Um can you go ahead and remove a polyp or something? And then uh, oh, can you replace their ACL or or repair it? The heart surgeon would be like, "Would you get that mm, out of this room?" Like I know a, a surgeon would probably yell at that person. See, cuz here's the thing, the person that is walking in and let's hope and pray this never happens, but this is an analogy. The person that walked in did not even value what was going on with the patient that's currently on the table. And mind you, this has not happened, at least I hope hope it hasn't happened. This is just an analogy. What I'm saying is that the person that's walking into the operating room trying to make all these unrealistic demands of the heart surgeon does not even value the current patient that, that is on the gurney that's that's on the slab there getting a procedure done. So the person that walked in making all these demands doesn't value human life at all. They're just a taker. They're not a giver, they're a taker. Well, a taker is a thief in that particular instance. And they're not being realistic about what all someone can do in a day. You know, some surgeries last like 8 or 10 hours, depending how serious it is. But see, here's the thing. There are so many excuse me, jobs, especially here in the United States, They're not viewed as important as an engineer or a surgeon, but they are just as important. And women are prone to taking on all these burdens, and it's high time women stop doing that. Be like, you need to pay me for what you want me to do. See, because you know what's interesting is that even though a woman may be like an office manager, there will be people she works with that will still view her as just a secretary. That is so sexist, piggish. I hate that. I, I can't stand that. It's horse manure to me. It is so degrading to that person. It's like, really, you put all this responsibility on somebody, but then you just treat them like a secretary. And see, here's the thing: even when they have a secretary, they're not even respectful of that person. I mean, it's shocking. But see, here's the thing: in all these instances. If people believed in the goodness of God and if they gave their life to Christ and read God's holy word, meditate on it day and night, they would never treat other people that way. They would never degrade them. Never. Whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's a parent trying to change the sex of their child, whether it's an employer just burdening their their employees with work and yet not paying them for what they do. 
It's important that we all be Christ-like every day of our life, regardless of what industry we work in. There are so many people, especially in the Bible Belt and these at-will states, they give themselves permission to discriminate all the time. But they don't view it as discrimination because they think it's just normal. It's not normal. Read the Bible. Read the Bible and read it correctly. And please don't read an interpretation of the Bible. Read the actual God's holy word, like actually read his scriptures. Don't read these commentaries. Don't don't read these I don't know what the other word is to describe it, but you know like what these theologians write and stuff. What do they know? I mean, sure, I mean it it can be a good book to read every now and then, but Be careful what you are replacing the holy word of God with because it's not supposed to be replaced at all. You know, I wish more people recognized how valuable their life is. Because I've noticed that when people don't value their life and when they don't respect themselves, they don't value other people's lives and they don't respect other people. they just view people as a commodity they they just view them as a point of sale service it's like well i'm not a pack of cigarettes and i'm not a doctor pepper i'm a human being we all are human beings we were all made in the image of god and we see that right here in his holy word do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. See, when you believe in the goodness of God, you should expect to be prosperous and successful. When you read the Holy Word of God, you should be looking for His promises, and you should be believing in His promises, and you should know for a fact His promises are true, and they come to pass every day, because every day. those promises are renewed because we live life basically every 24 hours that's why god promises to renew us every 24 hours to renew his promises every 24 hours because god knows what we can do and what we can't do and you know it's interesting god focuses on what we can do and what we can't do he works on that That's why if you're frustrated with anything, I don't care how small or large it is, whatever you're frustrated with, you need to take that to God because he loves you, he adores you, he wants to help you. And all the days of your life. Give him a chance. He loves you very much. I will go ahead and end this podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
Waves transform 